Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Randall Goodgame is a dear friend of mine and an outlandishly talented songwriter. For the last few years, he's been pouring his creative energies into the Slugs and Bugs franchise, creating music, books, and television for children, inviting them into the freedom and joy of the gospel. His latest project is Make Ready for Christmas, a Slugs and Bugs Christmas special. Randall, good game. Thank you for being on the Habit Podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. It is always great to see you. I am uh, so excited about the new Slugs and Bugs Christmas special. Make ready for Christmas. Woohoo! Yes, say that right. Yeah, make ready for Christmas. That's right. Very nice. Very just nice. released. Mm-hmm. I got to see it yesterday and was very just enjoyed the heck out of it. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, so many fun, so many fun friends coming in and out. Um, That's right. Your wife doing an incredible job as about four or five different characters. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I know it. It continues to be my favorite part of the whole Slugs and Bugs show experience is watching her put on wigs and, and outfits and. <laughs> It's hilarious. It really is. That's that's been one of my happiest surprises is having seen Amy have this this <laughs> sort of uh, stage on which to to show some of her talents to the world. You know, I know it. I know it. She, she does that. She has a mean uh, Kiwi accent. You know, we, were, we went to, we went to New Zealand for five weeks a couple of years ago, and she just she nailed it down. I think it's the. Uh, I think it's the the. Animal control person that has yeah, right. New Zealand accent. Yeah. She, she comes in as a, yeah, some sort of Steve Irwin figure. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, so this is, one thing I've been thinking about is, as I have watched the Slugs and Bugs show is, um, you know, Slugs and Bugs has been collaborative from day one, right? The, the You and Andrew Peterson made a record, what, how many years ago? 10 records? 10 years um, ago? It was 2006 when we made it. Good grief. Yeah. Slugs and Bugs and Lullabies. Right. And then somehow that became a whole universe <laughs> of characters yeah. and um, books and a TV show and all that. Um, but it's always been collaborative. Um, and I think, you know, even more collaborative now than ever. I mean, not, not obviously more collaborative than ever now as a TV show, which is not something that one person can do under the best of circumstances. Um, but one thing I love about it is that even, so with all that collaboration that's going on behind the camera, even what's going on in front of the camera, collaboration is always, an, seems like it's always an important part of the story. Maybe not always, but no, I'm going to say always. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it's a, um, it's the whole process, of course. Uh, this is my first foray into any kind of TV and there's, you know, amazing writers and the producers and, um, you know, the puppeteers, the whole thing is just this incredible collaboration of incredible gifts and people just kind of pouring out, pouring themselves out. One of the things I love most about it, and like when the guests come on, for example, um, is because we're always to one degree or another talking about the gospel, mm-hmm. everybody that shows up, we're all kind of in it for the same reason. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. here for the kids because we love Jesus and we want to reflect what loving him and walking through life looks like. And so everybody does that in their own little way, in their own little, you know, community. And then we come in 
to the slugs and bug show and also to pour efforts into this, you know, the, the, each episode or each scene um, with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've heard you say before is uh, I may be misquoting, so you can help me, but the gospel is a relentless invitation to freedom and joy. Yeah. Am I saying yeah. that? Yeah. Um, I've heard you say it before. Yes. I feel like um, that's super important for, for me to remember um, the, the relentlessness. Uh, it's like, I love the, the juxtaposition of that, those words, because it's a relentless invitation. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you don't usually think of invitations as being, as being that way. Yeah. Um, but because Jesus is at the same time inviting us and pursuing us, mm-hmm. um, um, but, and never forcing our hand, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that is, continues to be important for me personally, even just as I, as we go through the, a, a pandemic to, to be always remembering that what he's calling me to is joy mm-hmm. um, in, in the relationship with him um, inherent in our relationship with Jesus is, is joy and freedom. And um, so, yeah, you have heard me say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can we talk about the ways in which that understanding uh, that reality shapes the way you do your work? You know, the, uh, obviously this is a show, this is a podcast about writing, right? Mm -hmm. Conversations with writers about writing. And so, So how does that understanding of the gospel um, change the way you write, the way you write for children, the way you make, let's, I say, I say, write the way you make stuff. Uh-huh. Well, um, I think it's important because it, it's important to me because it always insists that I'm choosing a life of grace um, as opposed to a life of legalism. Hmm. Um, and so, cause if I'm, if I'm, when you're writing, you always want to be honest and it's sometimes it seems easier on the surface to have rules about um, uh, rules. Isn't exactly right. Cause rules are, are, are true. But um, if the only way that I can be honest with myself about who I am and what I need and, and what is true um, is if I'm able to see both the uh, the goal of the joy and freedom and life um, and creativity and truth and power of life with Jesus. At the same time, as I'm see as I see and I'm aware of all the ways that I fall short um, and reveal my need for Him. Um, because it, uh, it's, if I'm aware of all of that, then I'm, I'm in, I'm in a good place for creating because I can be honest without shame because I'm, I, I, I'm aware of the Lord's love for me unequivocally having nothing to do with my own goodness, but having everything to do with his complete love and in sufficiency, even in the face of my sin. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, if I think one thing about that invitation, how it plays itself out in the life of a, a 
people who are making things is, you know, you are, it, it's so tempting to, to situate your identity in what you're making. And if, if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm not producing, then I'm not, there's something wrong with me. And if I'm producing something I'm not happy with, there's something wrong with me. And, you know, it's, it's so much to, to embrace the freedom of saying, I'm okay. Even if I don't write today, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. And if I write something bad today, I'm going to be okay. Oh man. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Like staying kind of plugged into the truth of Jesus and um, is, is so important for when like not being a constant judge, who is it? Mm-hmm. Who's the writer that we've talked about before that sort of talks about, you got to like, not like kick the judge out of the room. Um, Sounds like something Anne Lamott would say. Yeah, it probably is Anne Lamott. Um, but where, when you're writing, um, of course you're using your own, you're using your discernment and your gifts, but, um, but never, uh, never condemnation. Gosh, yeah. condemnation just destroys creativity for me. Yeah. Um, I want to be, if I write something, I can chuckle at it. If I think, oh, that's cheesy <laughs> or uh, <laughs> that, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and erase that. So nobody ever sees it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but yeah, writing out of the sort of the wellspring of freedom and the joy of getting to create um, without condemnation is um, that's a huge part of being productive, I think, because then you can just keep writing and not worrying about, you know, f- finding, trusting that you're going to find um, the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Something I talk to, to my writing students about sometimes is um, confidence is, is not you think everything you make is good. Confidence is, is being able to, you know, being confident enough to say, Oh, that's, that's not as good as I, is it, it could be right. Or, or this is confidence says, you know, this work isn't the best I've ever done. And that's okay because I'm okay. <laughs> you know I mean? It's, it's a, that's, that's such an important idea. Yeah. yeah Having the confidence sure. to be able to, uh, to not be crushed when you, when you fail. Mm-hmm. One thing I remember telling my daughter from when she was really little um, was she always had a really strong opinion about music. Mm-hmm. She would, there was some music that she hated and there was certain <laughs> music that she wanted to listen to over and over again. And I remember um, encouraging her with that, mm-hmm. that it's, it's good to be opinionated about music because you know, you know what you like uh-huh. and you, that gives you some sort of internal compass for when you create you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it, confidence is, does not, for sure, does not mean always being confident that you're, you yeah, know, yeah. that you are making the very best thing, but just yeah. an internal awareness that you, you are, you do, you'll know it when you see it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the, I, I know I've talked about this with, with, probably more than one guest on this, this podcast, but you know, Ira Glass's thing that he says about, you know, when you have taste, there's always a gap between it's, it's the, it's the good taste that got you in the business in the first place, you know, and, and right. you, were talk, you were talking about uh, Livy having strong tastes, but as a child or, or not just as a child, as any of us, you know, our taste always outstrips our ability to deliver. Mm-hmm. And, and he talks about, you know, that's a that's a good thing, not a bad thing. And it's that taste that gets you in the business. It's also frustrating because you you can't do yet what you know you you want to do. 
Mm-hmm. And so you have to find a way to let that push you without crushing you. Man, and you know what? Speaking of, I know we're I'm kind of circling back to what you talked about a minute ago with collaboration. Yeah. That's been a huge part for me. Um, as with like it, working in in an arena that I'm not used to being in mm-hmm. um, with TV is realizing the things that I'm not as good at mm-hmm. or where I need, where I need help to, to get to that, to, to bridge the gap um, yeah. between the thing that I know that I'm looking for and the thing that I can, I can do on my own. Um, our mutual friend, Doug McKelvey is such a great writer yeah. and I'll, I'll write a bit of the show. I'll write a, a scene of the show um, knowing uh, this doesn't, this didn't get as funny as I wanted to in this moment, mm-hmm. but I also know it's going to go through Doug. So when <laughs> he, he's the, he's the editor, the you know lead editor. And yeah. so um, I'll maybe make a note or, or call or text him or say something and say, Hey, look in the scene. Can I, I need you to make it better. And he always can. Yeah. Love it. That's so good. That's, that's ex- that's exactly where I was headed with that, with the next question, but you've already, you've already hit it. I was going to ask you, how do you as going into TV where you have no experience? Right. You know, but you've answered, you've answered that question. I mean, you, you, you've, you have put yourself in a situation to trust the people around you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and it's, it's difficult sometimes, you know, you want to think you're good at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I do. But, uh, but it's been so wonderful. And, and I mean, I have, did have, of course, I've had lots of experience with um, knowing that I can't play a trumpet, but yeah. for example, making records or play an electric guitar as well as Nathan Duggar. Um, yeah. So it's like, call in the pros, yeah. get them to come in and, and, and do it. Or, or I may write, write a, uh, you know, a part for cello for a song, but when you get your cello player coming in, um, maybe they play the part that you've written, but then you say, Hey, you know what, would you just play for a minute over this section and see what you come up with? And, mm. and, you know, very often it's just better. Yeah. And you love that. You want that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So back to the idea of freedom and joy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's relatively easy. It's comparatively easy to write moralistic stories for children rather than stories that invite children into freedom and joy. And it's, it's Mm. hard in real life to invite children into freedom and joy because they might act like crazy people. Right. There is a risk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Freedom and joy is always, it's always, we, we always want it for ourselves, but it's risky to offer it to people that we're supposed to be in charge of. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the garden of Eden, frankly. Mm. Um, And, and, God's choice to give us free will. Um, it's not exactly the same, but uh, yeah, our kids, um, we were talking last night around the dinner table. Our kids, my, my four, uh, 13 and 17 year old son were bemoaning the books that they have to read for school. They're all about racism or about the Holocaust or about, um, you know, people escaping, you know, murderous, situations mm-hmm. and they were wondering out loud why they couldn't read uh 
Harry Potter or, or which, I mean, that's also, there's also some difficulty there, but, yeah. uh, but my son, Ben was like, Hey, why can't we read Calvin and Hobbes? Calvin and Hobbes is awesome. <laughs> uh, and so Jonah, my 17 year old said, yeah, it might get, uh, the teachers might not want to read Calvin and Hobbes because it might give some of the kids, uh, in the class ideas for how ways they could misbehave. <laughs> um, and I think, uh, that is that is the risk um when i make when i write songs uh for for kids obviously with scripture songs the words are already written but when i'm writing songs silly songs for kids uh i have to allow i, I want to write songs that they will see themselves in yeah and and kids are mischievous you know <laughs> they're they're still trying to figure out how to be in the world and um and so I try to reflect that. And, and sometimes by, by reflecting that I am, um, I'm reflecting the, uh, the reality of it, which uh-huh. is uh, I'm working on uh, this weekend. I'm doing some shows, doing some Christmas shows. And there's one where there's a lyric that talks about that, where this kid blows up um, his blows up a mailbox with a cherry bomb. And uh, I definitely had some had a little bit of pushback from people about that when I when I first when it first came out, but the other kids in the choir in the song boo him out when he when he sings that they're like what you blew up a mailbox with a cherry bomb boo, <laughs> um so we have you know it's acknowledged as not being the right thing, but um. But it kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier about being honest, yeah, with the the human experience. Um, you know, we talk a lot. You'll hear people talk in church about how there's no sin that God isn't ready for from yeah. you. You know, yeah. he's he's seen it all, and so um, we come to him not, uh, you know, trying to hide who we are, but just fully exposed, and that's yeah. the way we can get fully clean. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's worth it to show the real, the reality of human existence, um, to, to call it like we see it. Yeah. And, and with kids, sometimes that means bad behavior. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you're talking about this reminds me of something I heard some country songwriter talking about this and, and, and I don't know if it originated with him, I don't remember who it was, but, but the idea that this person's goal was to, to, put into words the things that that their listeners were feeling, but the listeners didn't feel like they had the words for, you know, mm. you know, the, this person's perspective was, you know, as you know, the, the typical audience for a, a country song is a person who thinks to themselves, it's not especially creative, which mm. by the way, I don't know that that's any truer than any other, you know, audience. I'm, I'm not saying fans of country music are especially uncreative. I mean, what, what this person was saying is really true of, of any writer is you are trying to give people words for things that they already know to be true, but have never, it's never occurred to them to put it into words. And it seems to me that with kids writing for kids, it's like you're, you're doing that to an even greater extent, right? You're, you're Mm -hmm. giving them the words for things that sometimes things they already know. Sometimes you're giving them, you know, news they didn't already know. Well, yeah, you're you're wanting to sort of engage, uh, provide opportunities for them to engage, um, there in a 
with the part of them that is already alive and kicking. It's kind of like what a, <laughs> what a roller coaster does, you know, like we, we can't, we're, uh, we're ready for when you, you go to the fair, you're ready for a roller coaster. <laughs> and, um, and so children are ready to dance and they're ready to sing and they're ready to laugh. And so that's what I'm trying to do with, with the music and the silly songs and such um, is plug in or, you know, provide an outlet or an inspiration to sort of awaken the things that are already there yeah. that the kids are that they're that they will recognize as oh yeah this is for me this yeah, is yeah, yeah well one of the things i love about the, about the way you approach this is um you, one way to approach silliness is to say this is just silliness hey kids blow off some steam and one way to approach silliness is, or one, one way to approach silliness in the way that i've often approached silliness with my kids is could you stop being so silly <laughs> let's just yeah, let's yeah. just tone it down a little bit or or you know let's domesticate your silliness mm-hmm. um and i love i love the way that you treat that silliness as maybe a clue to the universe mm-hmm. you know maybe this this joy that keeps being a little irrepressible maybe there's a reason it's irrepressible yeah mm. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's pointing you toward a, an invitation to freedom and joy that is the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it's easier, it's way easier for me to create and to embrace the philosophy and the, what I'll call the reality of joy and the freedom um, that playfulness and silliness uh, awakens. But it's it is it's more difficult to embrace that as a parent, because mm-hmm. you know because I've got a kid Benjamin, he wants to be silly and playful all the time, mm-hmm. even if he's just been in trouble, he'll like try to <laughs> turn it around, and I'll be like, you know what, I'm not ready for playfulness and silliness yet. I I'm still a little bit, you know, chafed uh, at what just went down, um, and yet and yet, uh, it's just like we talked. You, you know, you mentioned before it's that it's relentless. The invitation to to freedom and joy um, it reflects that because um, when we're forgiven, we're forgiven instantly, right away, and we get to drop all pretense and sort of shame and and run and just leap back into the arms of our Father, and so. Um, yeah, I think there is an element of, of playfulness, silliness, childlikeness mm-hmm. that that reflects that's inherent in the gospel. Um, that's part of why, you know, Jesus says you have to come to him like a child. And we've, t- we've talked about that before, but remembering our, our, um, our childhood mm-hmm. in, in, in Christ and with God as our father and that we do get to uh, receive his invitation to joy and relationship. Um, that's a big part of walking in the faith every day. Okay. I want to, I want to ask a, another aspect of the freedom and joy question with regard to, to creative work. Um, Cause you've already mentioned the idea and I, I completely agree with it that, um, that when you are, you know, 
creativity flows out of freedom, not out of, you know, uh, not out of fear, not out of uh, rigor, <laughs> you know. Um, and yet, the creative life and productivity requires discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk a little bit about the difference between discipline and legalism? You know, the the when you make rules for yourself that I'm going to sit down at a certain time of day, you know, I've got rules that I'm going to hold myself accountable to. Mm-hmm. Is that legalism? Is that something? Are you comfortable with the, with the, with the language of? Okay, there's a little bit of legalism that's helpful in the creative life, but then um, you also have to have freedom and joy. Yeah, no, no. I, You're I'm, not comfortable with that, not, with that language. I, I want, yeah, legalism, I think, is just always bad. And, and so I would, I love what you called it. I, it's dis, discipline is what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rules that, because um, with legalism, there is always an element of um, your of earning merit. I'm going to be justified by following these rules. Yeah. And discipline is, uh, you know, a a series of rules that we put together um, outside that whole legalistic context. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, for flourishing and as we are being good stewards of our gifts, which we are lifting up for the Lord to bless um, or to, you know, as an offering to him. Um, so, and I've got lots of ways that, that, you know, for me personally, I've got, I've always struggled with my voice. So I, I get up every morning and, and vocalize here in my office and, and have little tapes that I work with. And I saw, I call them tapes. It's, I mean, they're, it's, they're digital on my, (laughs) but isn't that a funny little slip that harkens back to growing up in the eighties? Um, but uh, recordings that I sing along with. And if I don't do those, if I don't do those things, then my performances and my practices suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so same thing goes with, you know, as I don't write every day, mm-hmm. but when I'm in a season of writing, it, it does help to be disciplined about um, being consistent because it is hard to turn on and off the spigot, at least for me. Mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah. you've experienced that same thing. Oh, sure. Sure. And, you know, I guess I would say that it's not that legalism and fear doesn't work because in some ways it does. It just doesn't work forever. Right. It's, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So I, I, okay. I wrote several books out of, you know, basically fear. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't, if I don't write this book, I've got to give the advance back <laughs> or, you know, there's, there's been, there's been plenty of, you know, or, or, you know, fear, fear and loathing, you know, waking up and saying, you, you know, what's wrong with you? Get up and write. Well, stop, stop, you know, you know, I'd wake up at four in the morning, you know, beat myself up and would get up and write a little bit till I felt better. And then I'd quit, you know? And so this sort of self-medication, you know, mm-hmm. creative output is a kind of self-medication, mm-hmm. which frankly worked for a while. And then reached a point where it didn't work anymore. And I had to find another way to, to, to do the work. I had to, to find a way to do it out of joy rather than out of, you know. Yeah, that gives me something to think about. I, 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 wonder, I mean, I guess I think about, um, you know, maybe we're, we, we might be using the word work differently. Like, I'm not sure. I still wouldn't think, I don't think it, 
it, like maybe you like it's kind of like you said it works works better with <laughs> with joy um and freedom but there's an element of I mean, maybe when you're working out of operating out of fear maybe it's like you're you know operating with a while also carrying around a, a 50 pound backpack yeah, or something right yeah. um where you it's never going to work quite as well yeah no i don't and and i'm not i'm not speaking up i'm not pro legalism yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, i'm just i'm just acknowledging that in terms of producing work that is you know not bad work i mean pretty good work sure at least in my life a fear and legalism worked for a while yeah and then i had to quit like i had to i, I can't keep doing this mm-hmm. and I've, I've got to find another way and part of that was sort of separating um you know it, it, doing some some writing that i wasn't that like for for years i didn't do any writing i didn't get paid for Mm-hmm. And I had to, you know, except for the writing for the rabbit room. And that was like my one thing I did for free. And I was like, and that was my favorite thing to do. And I, yeah. I realized I've got to separate the, um, I've got to decouple the creative, the, the creativity from the provider for my family every, every day. And that's when I went back to teaching and, and I just had a saner life, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I really- I know I relate to that with, I remember writing for I mean, years ago, a little, uh, um, little known fact. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know if I've told you this, but years ago I wrote ad copy for a chemical company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I there, didn't know about that. Yeah, there was nothing, uh, nothing creatively inspiring about it. Um, and I had to learn the terms, you know, yeah. like what different chemicals did and what they meant. Um, and, uh, there, it wasn't out of fear, but it wasn't out of joy either. It was just, yeah. Out of, yeah. Out of, you know, that the grind to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, someday I, I need to make a list of all the wacky things I've, I wrote for, uh, yeah, I, I've done some things very similar to writing for a chemical company, but I'm not, I'm not ready to say, I'm not ready to say it out loud. All of, all the, the, things, uh, the, the funny things. Oh, I, you, I, give I, me one. You got to give us one. Uh, I mean, I, I have, I helped with a memoir for kind of a C list celebrity. Um, and then <laughs> I, I, I've written I've written a lot of ad copy for a um, a restaurant chain that I'm going to have to keep anonymous. That shall remain nameless until <laughs> until later. <laughs> you know, you gather yeah. up some joy and and uh, and freedom, and then and then get. But back you know what? But even in that, I, I guess I, I reached a point where I, I I found some ways to to get some joy and freedom in in some of that too. Because I still write some of that stuff every now and then. To, to, yeah. I've got to, you know, they've got budgets, man. They got budgets. They, they do. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you, you used a, a term that is exceedingly helpful and that is flourishing, right? The, the, we set up parameters for ourselves that will lead to flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and legalism, more or less by definition, is 
not leading to flourishing. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's maybe that's the difference between rules and and what we think of as legalism is legalism can't lead to flourishing because it is a kind of it leads to a a a self you know proving yourself or justifying yourself or whatever that can't possibly lead to flourishing. Yeah. Whereas discipline, if if the if the goal of you know the goal of discipline is flourishing, not discipline, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, th- I think that's there you go. The discipline, the goal of discipline is not discipline. The goal of discipline is flourishing. And if your goal mm-hmm. is discipline, you got something's off. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's like um I remember this quote from a Billy Graham book years and years ago. Um, he was quoting another preacher that I can't remember, but um, was a book on the Holy Spirit. It says, when I gaze upon Jesus, the dove of peace flies into my heart. And when I gaze upon the dove of peace, it flies away. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the goal, our goal is, is uh, in, the, in the context of the discipline conversation, you know, your, our goal is glorifying the Lord and, and you know, our, in our earthly lives flourishing so that we might glorify him. And so, yeah, we, we apply these disciplines, but they can't be the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's great stuff. Well, thank you for everything you do to lead to flourishing of young, young people and families. It's, it's, it's good work. Thanks, uh, let me ask my last question. The one I always end with, who are the writers who make you want to write and make stuff? Um, well, uh, I know I've told you before a couple of them. Um, right now I'm going to say Dostoevsky, C.S. Lewis, and George McDonald. All right. I'm, re- I'm reading Robert Falconer. Um, I'm reading Mere Christianity again, mm-hmm. and um, and I've got the Brothers Karamazov on the second semester lists for my son uh, Jonah's um, junior year lit class that I'm teaching. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we brought our kids home from from public school, or no, they were already home because of the pandemic. <laughs> they were they were doing Zoom classes, and it was just destroying them. So. Um, I'm lit. I'm teaching lit this year. Okay. I didn't know this. For, mm-hmm, my junior, junior high schooler. I mean, my junior in high school. Uh-huh. Tell um, me right. about wh- how does Dostoevsky, what about Dostoevsky makes you want to write? Um, well, um, so not going to have as good of an answer as if I would have read it recently, mm-hmm. but, um, the way he writes about people and how they, uh, I just feel like when he's, when I'm reading um, Dostoevsky, I'm, I'm feeling the struggle, the reality of the struggle along with people. And I'm resonating and realizing and seeing myself in the, 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 the conflicts and the decision-making that they've got to go through. Um, I relate to his, uh, to the way that he, 
um, writes about humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Randall, it's always a pleasure. Hope Thanks, Jonathan. Again soon. Thanks for being on the habit. And I love um, it. you do. I hey, man, you do. You do a great job here on the habit. I love it. Thanks, and uh, I'm. I love slugs and bugs. So keep it up. Will do. See you, brother. Bye. The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio in the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to Jess Ray for letting us use her song Too Good as part of this podcast. Visit JessRayMusic.com to hear more of her beautiful songs. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash 